All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. This is Stoppage Time with Footwork, highlighting some of the best moments from episodes. And today we're joined by third Bundesliga midfielder, Mile Corbos of SC Fair. A 27-year-old from the USA, Mile took his talents to Europe shortly after college at Maryland University. His company, Eleven Green, is making waves for its commitment to helping sports clubs become more environmentally sustainable. Check out this shortly longer stoppage time, but definitely worth it. And remember, the full episode is available just below this one. Find more at footwork.club, the official website of everything Footwork Podcast. So, Maya Kobos, welcome to Footwork. I had to put a little accent on it. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm happy to, to, to be here and also I'm interested to hear about you guys as well. Yeah, I, I decided this year, 2022, one of my goals was to start a company. Uh, I knew in which direction I wanted to go, but it didn't matter what the company was. The goal was to start a company, try things, iterate, uh, find out what works, what doesn't work and then uh, move on and, and see what happens. I'm still in the phase where, yeah, the company could crash and burn any minute, it, which is, you know, then it is what it is. And next time I try something, then I'll be so much wiser. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I should already delve in real quick. Uh, yeah, the company I started is called good. 11 Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the goal is uh, to bring more environmental sustainability sustainability to um, to sport clubs, uh, sports clubs here in, first in Germany, um, I had a project in the Netherlands as well, so that could be an interesting market, but basically it was um, noticing how little clubs at my level do. So I would say like smaller second Bundesliga clubs, third division clubs, basically all of them. Uh, fourth division clubs you have uh, quite a few clubs that have a nice audience a nice community and they don't really um, even address the issue of um, of our climate change or our environment at all Um, and kind of taking a different approach to it and and trying to show the clubs that um, it can be financially sensible to invest in sustainability or environmental sustainability red bull at college level with even better players and that was also a huge learning experience um just being in that environment and kind of growing out of it uh, i went to maryland from Rutgers, where i kind of could have done i i was like i could have i was a captain as a sophomore and i thought i was the man and then you go to maryland and i remember i transferred in the winter and um the first training training sessions i was like damn am I gonna play here like what the fuck what am I doing here (laughs) and then like how quickly you pick up the speed and you learn and you develop is quite impressive and just being in these competitive environments just I think just pushes growth because you either grow or you or you sink and Mm -hmm. that's kind of you know the hard truth to that sort of competition 
Mm-hmm. Um, but to your question, Red Bull, then uh, in the summers I would play for Red Bull, then they had developed this identity of pressing, pressing and pressing and everything. And um, I think that definitely had an effect on, on the way I play now too, super high energy, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of this idea that defend going forward, uh, just go to the next guy. I remember my first few months at Red Bull, Jesse Marsh uh, <laughs> stopping trainings to tell me, uh, don't pass the ball sideways, you know, play the ball forward, even if it's a 50-50. If we don't win the 50-50, we all move forward and we, you know, we win the ball up there. Uh, and that was something different for me. Uh, and also this pressing idea of just go to the guy on the ball. Don't give him time. If the guy behind you is sleeping and they pass around you or something, he, it's his fault. But your job is go to the, the ball carrier, uh, put him under pressure, stress him. Um, so that, that whole identity, what you know they now have in Leipzig and in, in New York and in Salzburg um, was... Uh, was definitely interesting because it was different and also kind of did shape me uh, for for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few things there that I would love to touch on. One is the this idea and this theme of learning on the fly, and it seems like it may have come up a bunch throughout your career. Because when you go to different places, you know, you come to Germany for the first time, there may be some tactical adjustment adjustments and training and. You know, you may get pressure from the guys or from the coach, and it's important to be able to analyze, learn on the fly, and then correct yourself right there and then. Have you had to do this a lot of times in your career? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think any player does. I think whether they do it consciously or subconsciously, it happens. Um, And sometimes you don't do it right. When I first came to Germany at Duisburg, uh, I was in a team that was in first place in the third division. And I signed late in the summer and I didn't play. Uh, And first you drop into this hole of like, damn, I'm not important for this team. How can I like, you know, how do you show yourself? How do you play with confidence when you know you're not going to play on the weekend? Um, And so that's where I didn't do well in terms of learning on the fly. I think eventually I came out of that hole and kind of became a better player and uh, stronger mentally. Um, But um, yeah, that, that was also a process. So it's not always learning on the fly. It's also making mistakes on the fly. And eventually, uh, I guess through that, those mistakes learning, um, but you don't know, you don't always go up here. You can, you can fall into those holes in such a competitive environment. And that's definitely happened to me as well. Um, but learning on the fly, I think, uh, there's a, there's like a nice analogy to like muscle memory. And, uh, I think, you know, like guys like Steph Curry, you know, they do their whole like, or Kobe Bryant back in the day, they do their, their drills with the ball. And this idea of that your body can, or your, you can subconsciously develop this muscle memory and moves or, or certain movements come out automatically in the game. I think that's also an analogy to learning on the fly of kind of being in this environment and you subconsciously iterate, iterate, and you adjust and you iterate and you see uh, how you can get out of a problem and that's like a pretty nice parallel, I think, um, mm. in uh, just just doing things. Like I said, taking risks, learning, redoing, <laughs> re-risking, and then you know that whole process is quite interesting. Mm. It ties into entrepreneurship as well. Like that whole, you know, there's so many parallels in that sense. Mm. 
And how important is confidence in this, in this whole umbrella? I mean, keeping that confidence when you might mess up or fail or have fear um, to know that you're good enough in these situations to try again and to do better the next time. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I think you, you both probably know when, um, when I look back at games where I wasn't confident and then I look back at games where I'm confident, it's like watching two different players. And you could be whoever you want. And some guys deal with it better than others, but everyone knows how it feels. Uh, so having confidence um, is huge. And there are ways to kind of mitigate the highs and lows um, by preparing, um, okay, what happens in the worst case scenario and the biggest stress scenario, what do you fall back on? You fall back on like your foundational beliefs on how you want to play soccer or, you know, your philosophy of, uh, of, of, how you want to live. Um, and those fundamental things have to be strong because when shit hits the fan, that's what you fall back on. And that's kind of, you know, you fall back to those, that foundation. So how can you build up that foundation to be strong here and not here so that when you fall down, you're here, you're at a pretty good level. Um, uh, again, I haven't mastered that at all. Like I look at games even last season where I'm like, damn, you let the pressure of relegation get to you. Um, and you didn't play your game. You didn't play the way you know you can. Uh, so stuff like that is, um, confidence is huge. And it's a process uh, learning mentally how you can deal with, there will be moments where you're less confident. I'm just gonna turn on the light real quick. Um, where you're less confident, um, but, but you have to find techniques and ways to deal with that. Mm. Do you find that there's anything that you may do in a lead up to a game or pre-game, any type of things, habits, tendencies that, that may help with this process or that you've noticed help with this process when you look back and say, okay, I was confident during this game. I was playing my, I was playing my style. Yeah. I think it, it goes back a lot to being centered, to be to being centered on those core values. And so something I started a while ago um, was meditation. And I don't, um, I don't believe in doing anything special on game day because I think you should live every day as if it was game day. That sounds that sounds super cliche and bad, but <laughs> sometimes I would hate sometimes to... we love cliches though. I mean, sometimes they just work. But but for me, it was more like don't build up game day to be something more mm. than it is. Uh, that was maybe a way for me to mitigate the pressure. Uh, don't make it something too spectacular. Um, kind of just keep doing, keep plugging away. And so meditation is a way for me to stay centered on who I am. It's really easy these days with like a good game, Instagram, people texting you to think like you're something you're not. And so who are you really internally and finding that out or having, you know, going through that process is for me something I did in part due to meditation and something that kind of, uh, yeah, make, made me in that sense, more of who I am mm -hmm. and not who other people want me to be. But when you first went on trial at Duisburg, was there this, these adjustment periods, um, was it kind of the first time in your experience jumping into a tune, maybe at Red Bulls, you, you experienced this as well, where you weren't at the level at the moment you had to adjust quickly and you did indeed adjust yeah i think the first time that happened was um i mean besides like 
being a young 16, 17 year old and once in a while training with the first team at Red Bull, that was a big jump that I wasn't ready for, but that's not really, you know, day in, day out. So that doesn't really count. The first time that really happened was probably that, like I said, that winter at Mar- at Maryland, where the spring season really like, I did not play that well. And I think more was expected of me. Um, and then the fall season was a completely different. It was the opposite. I outperformed what had been expected of me. And that was, I don't know if that is coincidence because I, I uh, you know, there's a, there's a great book actually by uh, uh, Nassim Taleb called Fooled by Randomness and how much randomness actually plays a part in super important things in our life. And I like to think like, especially in soccer, you see it a lot too. If the ball falls one way or another, it's the difference between you having, I don't know, a goal or, you know, losing a game. Um, and over a season, you see it a bunch of times where guys like have an outstanding season and it's almost random, but because of that, it kind of shapes a career. Um, and so this idea, I went to Maryland and my spring season wasn't really wasn't good. And uh, I, I precisely remember the moment in the fall season where kind of things started going my way. We had, um, we hadn't started well. Uh, and Maryland's always like, you're supposed to make the final four. <laughs> uh, we hadn't started well. And I remember there was like a, a decision. We were going to play, I forget which team, the team in Ohio, I think Davidson. Could that be? I think that it is an Ohio team. So maybe, yeah. Yeah, we were going to play against them on a Wednesday. And for the first time, our coach, Sasha, was thinking about not starting me. And I remember he spoke to our captain at the time, Dan Metzger, who I had played with throughout my whole youth and had asked him like, yeah, okay, what's the deal? Like, what are we doing? Uh, And we actually changed the formation so that I could fit in a better role. And I ended up scoring. We won 1-0. And from then on, like, that was my first goal this season. That was in early October. And I scored 10 goals as midfielder that year. And that's like the point where things just started falling my way. And then you're firing on all cylinders. You have confidence out of nowhere, you know, really out of nowhere and so a lot of the time it's like just this randomness uh so maryland was the first time where i was like okay i'm not at the level and i did adjust uh i I adjusted long term so that shows me that i did have the level i just wasn't performing at that level at the beginning but the turning point was quite random uh so recognizing things like that is always uh, i think refreshing or it gives you a certain amount of perspective then I went to Duisburg and I did well enough in, in the trial to get a contract, but then the season started and I fell in, like I said, I fell in this hole um, and I wasn't good enough. Uh, and by the time I recovered, it was too late. Like I was already, I had already been written off. Um, so those were the two main times where I was like, okay, yeah, uh, you either swim or you sink. And one time I swam and the next time I sunk, but I was able to rise again at a different club. And I think that's also a big thing is a lot of the times the guy who makes it is the only one who didn't quit. When I look back at guys who I had played with in my youth or even in college who were better than me and who just quit after the first, you know, hardship. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I had thought about after Duisburg, I had thought about moving back to the U.S., going usl or even just quitting because i was really sick of it um and i didn't and i said okay let's do one more experience and that experience changed everything had a good year went to holland 
played well there. And now I'm in third division as a captain where my first season in Germany, I was in third division, not playing a minute. Um, and so that's, uh, I guess that's my story in a nutshell, but yeah. also <laughs> this idea that you could sink and swim. Yeah. Um, and if you sink, then yeah, you just have to keep going somehow. You, yeah. to keep, you know, you have to try again and that's yeah. fine. Absolutely. And I think it's also comes down to knowing when to take a step back, to take a step forward. Yeah, it's that not always that the failure defines you forever. And I'm sure maybe it felt like that, like you kind of mentioned at Duisburg. Um, coming in, you know, you did well in the trial, but then you, you're not making the teams or getting the confidence from the coaches and, and being the player that you can be. But then knowing when you take the next contract, which was in the Regionalliga, right, was mm-hmm. with Battenscheid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So taking a step back to then go ahead and take a step forward. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge. And, um, that was huge because I took the step back originally just to, to have fun playing again. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I haven't had fun in a year and a half. Uh, I just want to, you know, kick around again and have the feeling that I'm important somewhere and <laughs> kind of find a reason for me being in Germany. That was also a big theme. Um, yeah. And, uh, that, ended up happening slower than I wanted it to, but it ended up happening. And this idea of um, having this sort of failure, it does affect you mentally. You have to like, you have to get back over that hurdle. Once, I mean, there's a stigma behind, like they call people losers, but there is a little bit of truth behind that. If you get used to failing, um, the hurdle to get over that and be successful again is even bigger. Um, so that was a mental thing that was subconsciously in my head after my time in Duisburg was like, Hey, you're not that good. (laughs) You were kind of like for a year and a half, I was the guy in Duisburg who was in Duisburg, but who didn't play. And so there's like this mental hurdle that like, it has to click at some point, like, Oh no. And it comes through maybe a a training session where you're like really good. And you're like, Oh no, I, I, I am good. It's kind of, you know, it's a shame that I haven't shown it more often, but I know I have this in me. And so that kind of, that hurdle, this mental hurdle, it goes back to confidence, but um, it also has to do with thinking positively, thinking negatively. Like once you've had a big failure, it is hard to kind of overcome that. There's a mental side to convincing yourself almost that you're more than that failure. That's Mm -hmm. tough. What kind of things were you shutting out? I mean, you, you said negative energy and kind of putting the blinders on what kind of specific things were you not giving time and energy to, to focus more on football? It's, it's kind of like there are mental games. There are ways to, um, um, you can build a story in your head about yourself and use maybe a third person to kind of get yourself uh, artificially confident, so to speak. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of um, listening to music that I uh, normally wouldn't listen to and kind of like, turning into a different person before a game you know Mm -hmm. and i think that you know i think that really did help me in that season um kind of artificially becoming the guy i was in college who was um maybe a bit of an asshole at times but it gave me that bite excuse me that bite that little extra um percent um it has to do with ego too 
mm-hmm. it has to do with looking at the guy across from you and being like, you're in for a rough one today, buddy. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of um, artificial arrogance in that mindset. But there are mental games where you can kind of throw yourself into a third person and escape your own negativity by creating a persona that is untouchable. There are, there are a bunch of things. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I used to... I, I, I've actually not been good at it recently because I don't have enough time. I used to write in, in a journal every morning. And on game days, you can look back and read the text. It's like it's like as if I was trying to motivate myself using like certain words um, that would kind of build up this aura around myself for myself. Uh, super weird, deep That's world. fascinating. That, yeah, it is. I mean, it's like a sports psychologist. I mean, it's a thing. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I worked absolutely with a, sports, a field. Yeah, I worked with at Maryland. I was fortunate enough to work with a sports psychologist who helped me a lot. And I didn't, uh, maybe I did get that from him, but also listening to a ton of podcasts, uh, Finding Mastery from uh, Michael Gervais. I don't know if you guys know the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a sports psychologist. So. And, uh, listening yeah. to his stuff was really good. Um, back then, I used, used to only listen to stuff like that because I wanted to figure out how can I I knew that I had a certain potential in me and I I haven't unlocked that potential I still have this feeling a lot today but um I just felt like it was such a shame if I didn't reach that potential if I didn't get back to a level I was okay with uh and so I was doing a ton of research on the side to see how I can unlock the mental aspect of the game because I know that was the only thing that was kind of holding me back and probably still is holding me back a little bit and ego is the enemy was at a time when I just came to American accent, SC Verl. And um, I had come with like, um, obviously very small. This is uh, third division. So a small transfer fee, but that was kind of like a stigma. When you arrive at a club with a transfer fee, you make a bad pass. That's the first thing you hear as a joke, but these jokes kind of hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was uh, something I started reading when I felt like at the beginning of my time, I wasn't, I was a bit disappointing for, I wasn't playing as well as I would have liked to, um, especially during that adjustment period. And then I started reading this book and it was a way of kind of um, cheaply giving away the responsibility. So everything that I want, all the, all the things I want to achieve have to do with my ego when all of this actually doesn't matter is kind of the message that I got from it. And it helped me a lot. It took a lot mm-hmm. of pressure off in that time. And I got out of this rut and ended up having a really good end of season. And so I don't know if it's because of that or not. And so I thought like, okay, this idea of the ego is the enemy is really working for me. Okay, so I'm gonna keep taking this. And last season I felt there were moments where I was too nice because I was too step back, you know, it all doesn't matter. And I lost a little bit of this bite. And now I'm back to the point where, okay, how do you find, once again, this balance? Because I do need the ego. I need the bite. I need to get on the field and be like, you know what? I don't care who's in front of me today. Like, I'm going to score somehow. Or nothing's going to stop me from winning and stuff like that. And it's about me, me, me the whole time. So it's kind of anti-ego is the enemy. It, you know, uh, and and so there's a, those are, there are these two conflicting views and I'm still trying to figure out what is, what is right and what's best for my career. Um, so the, the ego point is, 
very, very interesting. Ego is sure. the Enemy was a great book. I would recommend it to anyone um, and then make their own decision about how they deal with their own ego. It's it eye-opening not... in how much ego is involved in every single decision you make. We have this reflection on winning as a part of our of our own self and our own being. I don't know if that comes more from from our you know American heritage and how we kind of view sports and competition, but I think that's another thing is to to reflect that the winning does not define you in those moments, whether you win or you lose. It's very ideal to have a level head that you can come back to regardless yeah. of the outcome of a game yeah um sorry my phone is going haywire yeah um finding the the middle ground too mm-hmm. was uh a, i don't know i can't tell you if it's a product of taking a step back or if that was conscious but um don't don't let your highs get too high because your lows will be even lower mm-hmm. and that was kind yeah. of also um something i did when i deactivated my instagram i was i loved the praise i really like in holland we had a lot of fans and i loved the praise the beginning like first half of the season was crazy and but as soon as you love the praise <laughs> you value the the hate um and that's Almost equally that's, yeah yeah exactly and so you have to be careful uh what you listen to because mm-hmm. it'll go one day, it'll turn and it'll be negative and mm-hmm. you have to deal with that. And you can't have it one way or the other. You either have it all or, or not at all. Um, either you can deal with the praise and the, the, the hate or uh, you just kind of shut off to those things. And I know for me, I'd rather just not read any of it. So we're going to start with favorite player growing up and favorite player now. Uh, growing up was Zidane, big oh, influence. Awesome. And uh, uh, now, damn, I thought that was uh, back then or now. Okay, it's and now. <laughs> we can leave it at back then. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want to stress you out. Here. Yeah, we don't want to stress you out. <laughs> no, no, you're not stressing me out, but this is actually a good question. Uh, I have a lot of favorite players, but... Um, Teacher throwing a pop quiz there. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> I, um, I don't play like him. So I'm disappointed with that. But uh, Marco Verratti is definitely mm. one of my favorite right nice. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's nice to watch. Favorite moment in football? Uh, I have to say not getting relegated last season was such a relief. Uh, it was in my professional career probably, <laughs> it's kind of sad to say, one of my best achievements or one of my favorite moments. That pressure is something else, though. Yeah. That was that was something else because it has so many implications on many different levels mm. uh, for your for myself as an individual and also for the club and uh, for your career. Really, if I were yeah. to go back to fourth division, I know what it's like fighting out of fourth division, and mm. I didn't. I don't know if I would have had the energy and also being a few years older. If I would have, who knows? Yeah. If you mm. get back out, or yeah, exactly most difficult moment uh my first six months in germany best advice you ever received um i don't even know if i received this advice but i would say just learn from everything Hmm. i thought you you were gonna throw a curveball and say uh have a direction not an angle (laughs) 
Yeah. That would have been really funny. That would have stroked the ego for sure. Um, Favorite place you've lived? Um, As you can tell, I've been busy the past few days and skimmed your questions and didn't really think of concrete (laughs) answers. It's good, though. It puts you a little more on the spot. Um, Oh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm. Sounds nice. College Park, College Park, Maryland was good, too. I can tell that. Yeah. Favorite place to travel? Uh, France. South of France. Any specific South of France. Or or Paris. Mm -hmm. Kind of a cop-out, but yeah. Love that, though. Best player you've played against? Um, Well, we played against Dortmund a few weeks ago. Uh, Marco Royce, or Mats Hummels was unreal in that game. And he gets a lot of hate. But he is, in terms of like a playmaking center back, he's one of the best. Doesn't he? Have, he has like the most the most um, successful passes into the final third or something like that as a Probably. center back. I think wouldn't like surprise that. me. What stood yeah. out most in the game? What's what? What stood out to you the most? Um, how explosive Dortmund was. Like you see these guys like uh, Mo Dahoud. You think he's mm-hmm. like just some skinny Turkish-looking German player? He is actually like physically a beast and i'm talking about not um not uh the the the, the i don't know the most muscular guy mm-hmm. or the the one who runs the most but everything is done at 100 percent. so they're either sprinting or standing and they are so explosive all of those guys that was the most impressive thing and the movement off the ball it was it was tough for us but it was nice to watch yeah I played, uh, we played Leverkusen in the uh, Pokal a few, two years ago now, and kind of the same thing. It just felt like at some point, everyone was just in sync and knew yeah. where to move. And yeah. then you have guys like, you know, Florian Wirtz or yeah. Diaby, who just was the fastest player I've ever seen. And then you kind of, yeah. it's just cool to see what level it can be at. Yeah, that's another. I mean, Leverkusen's up there too. We played um, a few weeks ago against Schalke, who just oh, got yeah. promoted back in the first mm-hmm. division. They're just a big club, though, so you would assume they could get some players that were. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't as impressive. I mean, we've played against Bundesliga teams before, and it's always actually quite close. Dortmund was a different world, and that was the first mm-hmm. time where I really saw, uh, damn, yeah, that is a different yeah, levels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. Best player you've ever played with? Um, kind of a cheating answer because he technically we weren't on the same team, but I trained with Thierry Henry a few times back in my uh, youth Red Bull mm-hmm. days. And now we're gonna take that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I have to say one underrated. Nobody's ever heard of him probably, but uh, I played with him in Duisburg. We're the same age, and he's unreal. Is uh, Fabian Schnellhardt plays in Darmstadt now, and I mean the, the things this guy was doing in training as a midfielder, as someone who not necessarily dribbles through everyone, but the things he sees is is just impressive. Um, and he's maybe done the wrong things off the field that haven't really given him the career he should have had, but he's still a great player. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? An engineer. Yeah. 
a business owner. Yeah. Favorite book? Yeah. Um, that's tough. I read a whole lot of uh, books in varying themes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say the books from uh, Nassim Taleb, uh, Fooled by Randomness, I mentioned earlier, was great. Um, mm-hmm. The Black Swan was great. Kind of like um, related to the markets, uh, the financial markets, but also just in life, stuff like that. Uh, I would recommend all of his books, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, Robert Greene has some good ones too. The uh, 48 Laws 48 of Power. power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even better than the 48 Laws of Power was uh, Mastery. That was a book that really mm-hmm. struck me. Uh, kind of talks about all these different people and all, everything they did or all the time they invested to becoming masters of their craft. Um, and that was amazing. Like this idea that the time you put in this ratio of invested time to what you get out can be pretty close to one to one is encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. We have a little list on our website too. That's like book rem- recommendations. So we love to add these on. And I think we've had like, I think you've name dropped like seven or eight books. So it's Easily. fantastic for yeah. us, for me personally too. Cause there's yeah. a few, Obviously, I thought the one guy was a baseball player, so those ones, <laughs> those those ones need to be read. You ASAP, can you, you can know? give him a you can give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram. He posts some like corny looking videos where he um, very enthusiastically explains some s- sort of stoic idea, but it's quite okay. educational. He's on a few podcasts as well. He's uh, used to work a lot with Robert Greene, who's actually a fascinating person, probably more fascinating than Ryan Holiday, in my opinion. You ever hear the the book? I have it right here, but I don't want to post it on the 50th law. Uh, with 50 Cent, right? Yeah, it was like yeah, his, I didn't read his it. twists on, I have it right there, uh, on the 48th law. It's very, very interesting read. Okay. I just, you know, I, I uh, this is very terrible of me but i hear it's with 50 cent and i yeah. just like i mean to be honest i kind of felt to his career thing, i thought this like, exact same what, thing what can be so no but i yeah. might yeah then i'll have to have it a was uh i haven't read it in a long time i must say but i've never read the 48th law or the 48 laws mm-hmm. so um it's probably i don't know which one you should read first <laughs> for me it was very interesting because i never heard a lot of the concepts in this but maybe reading uh, Ryan or Robert Greene's book first might change your opinion on it. I don't know. I might have to reread it. Um, any quote that you live by? Take the risk or lose the chance. Ooh, love that. Came prepared oh, on that right. one too. I like that. Uh, I got, it's yeah. just my phone background. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what's done. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club
Join the club. He messed yeah. me up. I mean, he can just he can just mash it together, so it's fine. 